with the temperatures dropping down in the low, low, low degrees, with the leaves already fallen, you know what time it is. It's time for the yearly collab with Southwest Ohio Full Court Press, Tony Peters, and Seth Kime. Oh, and basketball. Basketball, too. High school basketball starts this week. Here's the preview. Welcome to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. This is an audio podcast that covers local sports in Southwest Ohio, Northern Kentucky, and East Central Indiana. When the host promises that all teams in the region are covered, that's a fact. No talking about that team in Columbus. Other people in Dayton have that covered. Hear from a host with experience covering several schools and teams and working with several media organizations. No luck required here, buddy. No insults thrown here, fans. Everyone is welcome to the local sports podcast train. Intro theme is Ultraviolet by Infraction from Upbeat. Visit sindaypod.com, spelled C-I-N-D-A-Y-P-O-D.com for ways to listen to the podcast and to buy merchandise. Now, please welcome your host, Lee W. Mowen. Just a quick shout out to Jim DeBelt. He does a great job with girls basketball coverage in Southwest Ohio. If you visit jimdebelt.com, that's G-I-M-D-A-B-B-E-L-T.com. He has his preseason players of the year, and he has also released his 2021-22 Miami Valley Super 60 athletes to watch in girls basketball. Also, he had that live stream on TKDS Sports, and I believe it's archived on the YouTube channel. So go check him out. But tonight, it is boys basketball. Also, Seth Kime couldn't be with us in this conversation. He had a family emergency. Hopefully, everything's okay. Uh, thoughts and prayers to you, Seth. I know we already covered on the conversation. Spoiler. But it's good to be back. Let's dive right into the 2021-22 preview. Brought to you by the fine folks at Southwest Ohio Full Court Press. Welcome back to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. And it's that time of year again. It's the collab with Southwest Ohio Full Court Press. And tonight I'm joined with Tony Peters. Seth Keim could not be here with us. He had a family emergency. Definitely all the thoughts and prayers go to Seth. He's a great guy. And always a lot of fun to talk with you two gentlemen. It's just Tony and myself tonight. I keep saying tonight, like podcasts aren't a recorded thing, you know. That's uh, that's pretty smart after a month of not doing the podcast. But again, thoughts and prayers to Seth. But this is a tradition that's going back a few years now, actually. And yes, I know it's basketball season two, but this is more important. Tony, great to talk to you again. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, Lee. Thank you so much uh, for bringing us on or bringing me on tonight. Uh, echo your thoughts. Definitely thinking of Seth during this time, but... You know, I'm definitely happy we're able to get together and talk hoops. I think this is the third year we've gotten together. So it's definitely something that I know I speak for Seth and I both when I say we both really enjoy coming on the podcast and talking with you to pre- uh, preview the preseason. 
And I always enjoy having you guys on as well, just because of the fact, very knowledgeable. You cover the Miami Valley and Southwest Ohio to a T. And you guys really know your stuff from D1 to D4. Of course, for those that don't know about Ohio divisions, one is the uh, biggest schools, the most students in schools, and Division 4 is the least. So there you go. You got caught up on that. And Tony, you told me tonight we're going to, to uh, focus conference by conference rather than divisions this year, which is totally acceptable. It's, again, pretty much like I told you, it's uh, it's your guys' podcast episode I just record and hopefully not sound like an idiot. <laughs> yeah, I think this is the best way to kind of give everyone the equal love. Because like you said, D1 through D4, sometimes there's D4 teams just don't get the love that they deserve with them being so small. So I feel like breaking it down more conference and league specific will give those teams a chance to be talked about a little more this year. So, Tony, it's your cruise. Where are you going first? Uh, I think that being said, I think we're going to start with the biggest conference and maybe arguably the best conference in Dayton when it comes to high school basketball, which is the G-Walk. Mm-hmm. I think this year it's even more of an interesting conference to look at because the defending Division One state champions come out of this conference. Um, it's no denying that Centerville is coming off of one of the best seasons they've had and ultimately cultivated with a state championship. And I don't think it would be a far stretch to say Centerville could yet again win a state title in Dayton yet again. Uh, they're bringing back four starters from a 26-3 and three team. They're headlined by Gabe Cups. He has been a name we've talked about on your podcast since his freshman year. Last year as a sophomore, he really stepped up and was a leader for this Elks team. He just committed to Indiana University and Coach Mike Woodson last week. So he's going to be a high major prospect that's going to be playing in the Big Ten in the next two years. But before that, he's still got two more years at Centerville. He's got a really good backcourt with him. He's got Emmanuel Dang, a fellow junior, very defensive-minded athletic guard. Uh, they've also got Tom House, one of the best shooters, if not the best shooter in the city of Dayton. He's a six-five senior going to Florida State. So that's another thing Centerville's got going for him. You got not one, but two high major prospects on your, your starting lineup. Uh, that's, that's, that's really hard to match up against. And I don't really think, as I'll talk about here a little later, I don't know if there's many teams in the conference that can match that. Uh, and then lastly, they've got Rich Rolf, another senior, six seven stretch four, was committed to Drexel. He ended up decommitting, reopening his recruitment. But I think he's going to very easily be a Division One prospect. Um, really, Centerville. I mean, that's that's the the head honcho. When you start kind of breaking it down after that, I think the rest of the conference is going to be very close knitted uh, with the other seven teams. Wayne is always competitive. They've got Laurent Rice, their star junior guard back. Rice is being heavily recruited by a lot of Division One programs, including Ohio State and Louisville. But one of the things with Wayne is they got hit hard with graduation. They lost G-Walk Player of the Year, Prophet Johnson, from a year ago. They lost Malcolm Curry, their really good guard. They lost Ben Palmer, a good sharpshooter. Wayne got hit hard with graduation. And this year was a little bit of a different-looking year because the Warriors didn't really bring back a lot of guys beyond Rice. Um, Elijah Brown was was slated to come back, but he is a University of Alabama commit, and I believe he is going to Tuscaloosa uh, in January, so he's not playing from what I've heard. Emil Wagner just committed to, I believe, Notre Dame for football, so I don't know for sure if he's playing, but even if he does come back, 
that's still a lot of talent Wayne won't have. So I don't really know where they're going to be at in terms of they may be able to get second or third in the conference, but matching up with Centerville, you got to go five deep and a bench to match up with these guys. And I just don't know if Wayne's going to have that this year. Uh, also talking, you got Fairmont. Fairmont, I actually watched on Thursday night. They were scrimmaging Shamanad Julianne, and I think Fairmont has really made a turn last year. They just didn't look like the Fairmont we've been used to seeing. Um, they played a shorter season, and they just didn't look great. There was just something missing with that group. And in that scrimmage, they looked a lot more physical. They looked a lot better defensively as a whole. And overall, they just looked more comfortable with one another. And I think that goes a long way in why the success they've had. I think this year could definitely be a breakout year for them. They got two really good seniors in Anthony Johnson and Desan Doucette. Uh, they've both been really crucial parts of that team since they were sophomores. So there's going to definitely be a lot of pressure on their shoulders, but I think they're right there that they can uh, make some noise. Uh, Springfield and Miamisburg are two other ones I think are going to be in the mix too. Springfield, they're going to get a little bit of a late start because their football team is in the state semifinals. But once they get that group back together, they're a very athletic team. Coach Sean McCullough had a really good first year with them. And I think that he's just going to continue to see success as the program grows. Uh, Eddie Mohammed's a senior for them that I think is going to have a really good year. Miamisburg is always a competitive team. I think this year the difference is going to be what's their guard play going to look like. They did graduate their starting backcourt of Alex Ball and Evan Logan. And you really need guards to succeed in the G-Walk. I think Miamisburg, if they can replace those guards, will be fine. They've got a junior in Jackson McGowan, and this kid is a football player, but my God, he has really made leaps and strides in his basketball game. He's very athletic, 6'3", 6'4", plays above the rim. I've seen him several times playing against teams, including Taft and and St. Xavier. They played in a scrimmage a few days ago, and he's just no matter what you throw at him, he finds ways to score off the bounce, you know, posting guys up in transition. He's just really evolving. It'll be interesting to see where he ends up going in terms of collegiately in the next two years, because he really could play uh, college sports, I think in basketball or in football. Uh, the Vikings also have Anthony Kopic, their senior back. kopic has been dealing with injuries in the past. If he can stay healthy, I think he's going to have a breakout year. Uh, he's a really solid player on the offensive end, especially for the Vikings. And then obviously the rest of the conference, you got Beaver Creek, Northmont, and Springboro. Beaver Creek, they're looking to rebound. Last year was a really rough year for them. Uh, only won nine games, and they were also a team that struggled with injuries. They've got, I think, one of the better front courts in the G-Walk with Adam Duvall and Gabe Phillips. Uh, Duvall's been a name that's been really known in the Dayton area since his freshman year. I think when he is healthy, he is one of the best players in this conference at 6'7", and his ability to stretch the floor and shoot on the on the perimeter or battle inside uh, makes him a dangerous matchup. And then Gabe Phillips, a 6'7", center as well. Phillips, one of the best shot blockers in the conference. He set the G-Walk record in blocks a year ago. Uh, very, very skilled player. And I think he hasn't even scratched the surface of what his basketball potential is. So it'll be very intriguing to see what the Beavers do. Big thing with them is going to be, again, that backcourt. They struggled handling the ball a year ago. Um, The guards they did have playing were sophomores. So as long as those guys have developed a little bit more, 
I think they can obviously advance and improve off those nine wins. And then Northmont and Springboro, the big thing with these teams is they're young. They both have relatively younger coaches, excuse me, newer coaches. Uh, Brett Costiff at Springboro is going into his second year, but Northmont bringing back Darnell Hoskins uh, over from Middletown. Both teams are going to be very young. Northmont over the summer had five freshmen playing in the, the summer league they had going on. They did lose their two best players from a year ago and Patrick Ivory and Jordan Smith. So those are two kind of big names that you know they they had a year ago that just they won't have at their disposal this year. But they do have uh, some upperclassmen that do have some experience. Brandon Pooler, who's a senior, and Tyron Sturdivant, who's a junior. Of those freshmen, Jeremiah Landers, who's a freshman, is why I just said that um, is probably going to be their their top guy. Uh, Landers, he is related to Trey Landers and Robert Landers somehow. I I don't recall how the relationship is, but uh, Trey obviously being a former UD Flyer and Robert being a former High State football player. So Jeremiah's got that that athleticism and lineage, uh, and he's very very talented guard already. Uh, very patient, very very good ball control and vision. So Northmont, I think this could be a learning year for them with a new coach, but I think they'll still be competitive. And then Springboro, they've also got some youth. They have got uh, R.J. Greer, a 6'4 wing. He's the son of Ricardo Greer, who is a University of Dayton basketball assistant coach. I've watched Greer a couple times over the summer. Uh, he's been phenomenal from what I've seen. He's already got a Division One offer from Western Carolina. And I wouldn't be surprised if he maybe picks up another offer or two by the end of the year. Panthers also got a, a big guy, Jerome White, 6'5", freshman as well. White known more for being a rebounder than he is an offensive threat. But, you know, another very talented freshman with a lot of upside. Uh, and then Springboro does bring back some other guys, including Sam Feldman, who is a their, their quarterback on the football team. He'll be a senior. Feldman was really the offensive juggernaut for the for the Panthers a year ago so it'll be nice that he's got some younger guys that can kind of get take some of that pressure off and then obviously Maxim Butler who was a standout freshman for them in the point guard position uh, I do believe he's been battling some injuries so once he comes back from that injury uh, I think him in the backcourt with that experience a year of experience is going to help them as well so the net net of the g-walk you know Centerville definitely looks like the, the powerhouse and, and the, the the favorite to win this conference I think legitimately Centerville is at, at minimum the second best, if not the best team in Division One this year. And I do think they're going to have another shot at going back to UD Arena. Uh, in terms of placements from seven, yeah, second through eighth, it really just depends on who kind of shows out. I mean, like I said, Wayne, if Wayne can get some other guys besides Rice, if Fairmont can you know, show they can really bring that composure together and, and knock off the bigger guys. Springfield, once they get their, their basketball legs back, uh, you know, the G-Walk is going to be a little bit of a question mark of who's going to finish where, but I think there's no denying that this conference will yet again be one of the most athletic and most talented conferences in Dayton. I mean, eight teams going at it in the G-Walk and pretty much Centerville, the top of that mountain if they have their game right, but then you got seven other teams that could, you know, battle them tough. It just, you know, that's the fun thing about Greater Western Ohio Conference basketball is just you have a lot of talent on all eight of those teams, and it, it's going to be an exciting year. And I, I, I uh, drew a smile because you mentioned Patrick Ivory, formerly of Northmont. He's part of a flight preps team, and I got to see him play. He looks really, really good. And in case anyone's interested, you know, 
They're playing a long time flight prep, so go out and give them a shot when you can. Yeah, good good group of guys that, that Chris Wright's got over there at the inaugural prep school, Patrick being one of them. A lot of local names from a year ago, so I also echo that, that you know, if you want to see some guys that just graduated, continue their basketball careers, go check them out because they're a pretty good team right now. So I would have to assume you're picking Centerville to win the G-Walk crown for the pregame or preseason uh, pick. That would be that would be correct. Yes, I, I'd say so, too. I mean, a lot of the other teams, there's a lot of question marks to fill in. But Centerville, it's basically the same team that one state knocked off Moeller last year, which, man, that was a lot of fun to see. Nothing against Moeller, but the team that the Crusaders brought, I mean, a lot of D1 talent and Centerville just you know, got through. It was nice that they finally got over that stretch because it just it seemed like for the longest time that there was so many good teams in Southwest Ohio and nobody could just figure out Moeller. So the fact that Centerville finally did it uh, and it was just, it was ex- exactly what you would expect a low scoring, you know, down to the wire game. And then that's the best part about Southwest Ohio basketball is for all the teams that can just, you know, put up a hundred or, or 110, you got those games that they score less than 70 total points. And it's just hard defensive basketball. So let's move on to another conference. Tony, which one you like to talk about next? I'm going to move into the GCL co-ed next. Okay. So uh, the GCL co-ed, it's going to look a little bit different in, in 2022. Uh, Purcell Marion and Roger Bacon, who have been in the league or conference, as far as I can remember, uh, they left for the Miami Valley conference in 2022. So the, the league is now down to six teams. And, and the league did have some graduation happen. Uh, a lot of the top end talent from a year ago gone, not just with Purcell and Roger Bacon leaving, but you know between McNicholas, who was a regional semifinalist a year ago, they had four all-league players graduate. Um, let's see, CJ, Dan Nassif, and AJ Solomon were really key parts of that, that Eagles team that made it to the final four in Division II. They're both gone. Fenwick losing AJ Braun, who's at Wright State now. I mean, there's a lot of really good talent that unfortunately departed through graduation. But there is one team in the league, I think, that stands uh, above the rest of them, and that is Alter. Last year was a little bit of an interesting year for them. Uh, If you look at the GCL standings from a year ago, Alter was, I believe, fifth in the league. So they were not the, the most competitive in that league. Uh, again, McNicholas looked phenomenal a year ago, and they were hands down the best team last year. But I think this year is Alter's year. They bring back four starters. The only player they lose is Brian Shane, who was, a, I believe, a Miami, Ohio football uh, commit. So he's gone. And Shane really brought that that GCL toughness when it came to interior play. But I think Alter may have an even better interior defender in 6'9 wing, Jacob Connor. The senior is committed to Marshall. If you watch Connor play, if he has less than three blocks in a game, that's probably a rarity. Um, every game I've watched him play, he is is putting a ball in the stands or spiking it off the backboard. He is just so long and lengthy. You don't see that type of uh, talent and length, especially on the wing. And you would think at six nine, he's posting up on the block. He's not. Connor is running the point for the Knights at times. So when you got that type of mismatch on the perimeter you're going to have problems and he's going to be uh, one of those guys that alter is really going to lean on, but they've also got a very good group of, of juniors back as well. Anthony Ruffalo, AJ lean and Gavin Geisel. 
Ruffalo is a very good floor general point guard, great court vision, great shooting touch. He did very well as a sophomore last year, handling the pressure of running the point, playing teams that like to jump trap and press what you get in the GCL. Lean, kind of a two-way guy. He can score 20 if you need him to, but more importantly, he's going to make an impact on the defensive end, on the glass. And then Geisel in the past has been more of just like a a three-point shooter, really. But he really evolved his game over the summer, added a little bit more to it in terms of being able to put the ball on the the ground and and score in different ways. And he can defend as well, which is what more, excuse me, what altered really depends on is their defense. Can't forget Ryan Chu, their senior point guard as well. Uh, Chu transferred over from Bellbrook. He missed half the year last year due to those transfer rules, but will now be back for the full season. If you watch any highlights over the summer, Chu was throwing alley-oops to Jacob Connor. Pretty much every summer camp or summer league alter was in. Uh, very, very good passer. He may be the best passer in Dayton, but overall, this alter team, you know, when you've got that type of experience back that you can lean on, it's going to be very hard to to contend with that. And unfortunately, there's really only one other team that I think has the experience or enough experience to hang with them. Excuse me, and that's going to be CJ. Again, CJ lost Dan Nassif and AJ Solomon, who that duo did so much for the Eagles. But they do return a good, solid core in Jonathan Powell and Evan Dickey. Powell is a sophomore. He's the only underclassman on that Eagles roster. Uh, He just got an offer from the University of Dayton, I believe, last week or the week prior. So you know this guy is a talented player if Anthony Grant is, is already offering him as a sophomore. Evan Dickey, a very athletic junior, 6'5", a little bit raw in some areas, but he definitely has the athleticism, and it looks like he's got the kind of coachability to maybe build off of that. Uh, when you've got that type of raw athleticism and you can work on the skill set, that's a very dangerous duo for the GCL, uh, especially GCL standards. The big thing with CJ is going to be, you know, they got all their, their role guys from a year ago back, but can those role guys now take that next step and replace what Solomon and Nassif had because that was a lot that those two did. And that's a really big reason why they ended up coming back from a double-digit deficit against Tippecanoe in the regional semis and then beating Bishop Watterson in that regional final game to get those two did a lot to help them do that. Uh, That's not to say that Powell and Dickey and the rest of them didn't do anything at all, but those, those senior guys really led them a lot. So if Powell and Dickey and company can, can fill those voids, I think CJ's can at least be that second best team, but it is going to be hard to be alter uh, when you don't have the, the, the guard play and those other guys. In terms of the other four teams, it's it's going to be a little bit of a challenge. Uh, Baden and Fenwick have new coaches entirely. Baden has Pat Creek, who's a former Fenwick coach, now taking over. Uh, the Rams, you know, they ha- they hit the 10, 10 win mark, but they don't really have a lot of that high end talent back. They graduated a lot. Um, some of the role guys from a year ago will have a chance to to step up. I am intrigued to see they've got a junior center, Patrick Ray, who's 6'5", watched him over the summer. Very intriguing prospect. You know, again, the GCL, you typically see your big men, your centers really playing on the block. Ray looks like he belongs on the block, but I was really impressed by his ability to put the ball on the ground and play on the perimeter. That's something you don't see a lot in the GCL, so to have, for Baden to have that is going to be an advantage for them. Uh, the other team I mentioned, Fenwick, those guys have a new coach. Is Kelvin Moss went over to Middletown. Uh, Mike Holweger takes over. He comes over from Waynesville. But again, Fenwick, they, they lost A.J. Braun. Uh, Will Richards was another guard they had. They lose him. 
The Falcons are going to be young. Watch them last week over at Hamilton in a scrimmage setting. And, you know, one of their best players was a sophomore and a junior. So they're going to be a young team. And the GCL, when you're going up against experience, sometimes that youth needs a year to just kind of get beat up to really adjust. So I think this year may be a year that Fenwick, they may not win as many games as they did a year ago. But I think that getting this youth kind of adjusted the GCL at a young age is going to help them a lot. The other teams, Carroll, Carroll really, really got hurt by graduation as well. Uh, They obviously pulled one of the biggest upsets of the tournament last year in terms of Dayton upsetting Dunbar in the sectional tournament before the Patriots ultimately lost to Tippecanoe. They do bring back Sean McKeetrick. He's one of only two first-team all-GCL players that are back. Uh, McKeetrick, a very, very good shooter. No denying he's going to, again, be one of the best players in the league. But Carroll does lose their size. They had a 6'5 and a 6'9 senior a year ago, both gone. So as long as they can, you know, be competitive on the glass, especially when you got Alter having some size and CJ having the athleticism, if you can control the glass, you have a chance of competing every night. Uh, And then McNicholas, they probably got hit the hardest in terms of the graduation bug. Uh, Again, I like I said, they had four all conference players graduate from a 20 win team. McNicholas does have some role players back from a year ago. Uh, Trey Gardner, especially a senior, he's going to be that top player. He's six, five, uh, very kind of a scrawny, but you know, he can battle on the block when needed. I think he's going to have a much bigger role. And I think the Rockets ability to have guys besides just Trey step up is going to go a long way in determining uh, where the Rockets are going to end up. But at the end of the day, with all that said, you know, when you're looking at the GCL, I think Alter is is my favorite to win the league this year with CJ right behind them. Uh, the Knights definitely have the potential to make the, the regional tournament, I believe. CJ, it just depends on that draw. These GCL teams like to go after each other in the sectional tournament, so I wouldn't be surprised even if they're the you know one, two, or two, three seed if Alter CJ go in the same bracket. So these two could be facing off in what would be a district final caliber game in the sectional tournament. But I would say, you know, right now I would I'd go alter to win this league. So right now we got Centerville for the G Walk and the Alter Knights for GCL Coed. And where's the next conference you're taking us to? Let's go over to the Miami Valley League, which All right. is uh go- yeah. So this this is a very uh, interesting league as well because they also lost a lot to graduation. Um, I remember talking to, to one MVL coach and he was telling me that, you know, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see because a lot of these teams are going to have to go to guys. They maybe haven't gone to before because you don't really have a choice anymore. Uh, so this, this conference is, or excuse me, this league is split into two divisions, the Miami and the Valley. We'll start in the Miami division. It's got Butler, Greenville, Piqua, Tippecanoe and Troy, uh, Piqua, obviously they've got a new coach and, and Brett Cop who comes over from Bethel. Uh, coach Cop is, you know, a very, very good addition for this program. He really helped Bethel succeed when they were in the cross county conference, uh, took them to the district finals, I believe in 2017 with, uh, Caleb South and Ryan Rose. So he, and even after that, that talented class graduated, he still kept Bethel and competitive in the cross county conference. Comes over to pick what's a different game, obviously, in the Miami Valley League. You're going from Division Three with Bethel to Division One and, and some Division Two. Uh, I think Cop's going to have a good chance to be successful because he brings back probably the best player in this division and Trayshawn, excuse me, Drayshawn Roberts. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a junior, a very good slasher, uh, point guard, that lefty that, you know, he can really take over games offensively. He's one of the few all conference players coming back, or excuse me, all league players coming back um, in, in this entire league. So I think that he's going to do well. But I don't know if I would take Pickwood to win the division. And that's because Tippecanoe uh, is probably the team I'm leaning towards right now. And you may be, if you know the high school basketball scene, you may be wondering, you know, why are you taking Tippecanoe? Because they lost Ben Knosman, Zach Frederick from that uh, 21 and 2 team. And, you know, when you've got two scholarship players like that, that you lose, it's very hard to replace that. But one thing about this Tippecanoe team, that I saw over the summer is they've got a lot of juniors that did not play on that varsity a year ago that look very accustomed to playing varsity basketball from what I saw in mm-hmm. the summer. Um, Evan Manus is a, a really good shooter for them. He didn't play very much at all last year on that varsity, but he showed a lot of uh, potential putting the ball up and getting a lot of high volume shots off during the summer. Stanley Klein played in the prep hoops expo and he was one of the best players at an entire expo. And he was a name I hadn't even heard of until that event. And he's going to be back for the red devils as well. So I think Tippecanoe, because they've got that culture and now that tradition from a year ago, I think you're going to find them again near the top of that division. Uh, but obviously pick will be right there with them. Troy is another one. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, covering uh, last year on WPTW, I saw a lot of the Indians and the Red Devils, and you're absolutely right. I mean, Tip's bench is so stacked. I mean, yes, you're losing the three-headed monster led by Knotsman and uh, Frederick, but at the same time, they were able to go to the bench and just keep it forward. Stanley Klein, when he didn't get into foul trouble, I mean – He's a great player, and I think he's due for a great year with Tip. And for Piqua, I mean, last year, it was a team you really couldn't count on outside the arc. So I'm really interested to see how the new cop system turns over and how the Indians uh, translate over to that. And Dre Roberts, definitely a fun, fun basketball player to watch. So when we get in the MVL and my time with WPTW last year, it it makes me happy just because that's the bread and butter what I saw last year. Oh, yeah. And I think that, you know, the other team I want to point out is Troy. You know, Troy last year, they were another team that they were competitive. Um, they didn't they were below 500. And, and really, they were another team, again, keeping the theme of this league being graduation, hitting them a lot. Uh, but they did add Nick Prince, who's a transfer from Miami East. Prince, uh, a role guy over there for the Vikings a year ago. He's now probably going to be kind of the, the go-to guy for the Trojans. And then they also add Zach King, a center from Troy Christian. Uh, King, not known to be one of the better scorers, but that guy will bully you on the block. Uh, and there's not a lot of guys that can box him out. Uh, he played AAU on my team, and I can I can personally say he's very difficult to box out, trying to box him out in practice. Um, so the Trojans having him uh, at their disposal down low is going to help a lot, especially with this, this division being very guard-heavy. If you have a guy you can go to uh, that can really control the block and control the glass, that's going to help a lot. So Troy will definitely be in the mix there. I think in the Valley Division – uh, again, two new coaches down there as well. Xenia and Stebbins adding new coaches to their disposal. But at the end of the day, West Carrollton definitely is the best team in this division, hands down. Uh, they have got, in my opinion, the best player in this league, regardless of class, in Sam Walker. 
He's related to Samari Walker, who those of you who followed high school girls basketball, uh, she was a standout from Chaminade Julianne back in 2011, went on to play at UConn in Kentucky. So if you saw her play, you know she was a really good player. Well, Sam has that in his blood as he is her younger brother. Uh, Walker, just an absolute animal on the block. He's 6'6" built like a you know an offensive lineman on the football field and he's been like that for several years now the the pirates have a lot of younger guys too uh javen vaughn a really good sophomore as well i think that they're going to be the best team in this division the big question for them is going to be outside of the mvl how are they going to do when they get into the tournament and they face those g-walk schools I did feel like last year in the MVL, you know, some of these teams that had really good records when they got to the D1 tournament, minus Tippecanoe and D2, the D1 teams struggled a lot when they faced other uh, G-Walk teams especially. So it's going to be a matter of how competitive can they be. In terms of the rest of that division, it's going to be rough. Again, Xenia and Stevens, they they're, have new coaches and they both got hit hard with graduation. Fairborn, they lost their two best guys from a team that only won a handful of games as well. Sydney's always competitive, but they also, again, lost a lot in the graduation. So um, I think most of you are catching a theme here. I think West Carrollton's probably going to be my favorite in this division. So I'm going to say West Carrollton out of the Valley and in the Miami, I'm going to go Tippecanoe as the uh, preseason favorites. There's one team I also want to add on for the MVL, and that'd be Vandalia Butler, because I thought that was a really competitive team last year. I mean, with Quinton Hall and uh, Connor Buchanan in the paint, I mean, that's a really good-looking team. And also, oh, now now the name escapes me. He's on the uh, flight prep team, too, but he was uh, 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 Montague, Trey Montague, of course. Tyler Montague, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that, I mean, that was a great point guard. I mean, and, and Butler lost him, of course, because he's now in prep school. But at the same time, that was a really competitive uh, aviator squad. What do you see them this year? I think it's going to, I think they're going to be right in that middle of the mix in, in the Miami division. But again, it's you, all those guys you named, they're all gone. And yeah. really, they don't have a lot of guys back from a year ago that were that showed me they can adjust to that varsity game right away. You know, Monahy was such a good scorer and he did so much for them. Just, just when he was in foul trouble or struggling, the aviators struggled a year ago. So now they have to replace him and Buchanan in the, on the paint and hall over there on the wing. So I think they're going to be in the middle of the mix, but you know, it's definitely going to be hard to, to replicate a 13 to nine season without those three that you named. I remember tip at Butler and it was nice because, you know, don't have to make all that uh, long trip to pick. Well, no, I only kid. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Butler almost handed Red Devils their um, their loss in league play, their first loss in league play. But uh, a shot went wide for him, and that was one of the most competitive games I've called for WPTW. So definitely wanted to throw the Aviators uh, a mention there as we close out MVL play. Sure thing. Absolutely. Um, I think the next league we're going to jump to is the Swibble, the Southwestern Buckeye League. Man, 10 teams in this. I've never heard it called Swibble. I always thought it was like Swabble, <laughs> but or the uh, Slow White Boy League, too. I've heard that. But um, now 10 teams with a lot of the Buckeye uh, division teams gone. Preble, Shawnee and Dixie, they're in the Western Ohio Athletic Conference. Milton Union and Northridge, they're in the Three Rivers. 
So, yeah, I mean, just through football season, it was weird seeing only 10 teams, but a bulk of them, you know, they're going to be competitive. So West versus East. Yeah, and I think uh, when you look at these this this league as a whole, that East division very heavily overpowers the West division. So I'll go ahead and start with them. That East division, they bring in, you've got of the five teams now in it, I would say the top three in this in this division are, 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 are better than the top team in the West. Uh, Franklin, they were undefeated last year in, in the league. They bring back a very, very good tandem of Noah Rich and Nate Parlberg. I'm drawing a blank where Nate's committed to. I believe it's Taylor University he's committed to, but I could be wrong on that. Uh, and then Noah Rich, a, a 6'5 stretch four. Rich, one of the better shooters in the league. Parlberg, kind of a inside-out presence. He can beat you up on the outside, uh, off the bounce and shooting the ball. Or if you want to try to battle him on the block, he's more than willing to do that to you as well. Um, Franklin went 20-2 and two a year ago. I thought they were they had a chance to really do something special to that sectional tournament, but they ran into a very good Lebanon team uh, that knocked them out early. I do think that the Wildcats they did lose kind of their guard play. Tez Lattimore, you know, a very 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 good athletic guard is gone graduation, and then Jaden Bennett, one of their shooters, transferred to Middletown, so they are without two of their better guards. They do have the coach's son Isaiah Bales back. Uh, and, and Brian Bales has shown time and time again in going back even to the post canard days that he could lose a lot of talent. He's still going to keep them competitive. So I think Franklin's definitely the best team in this division, but there is two other teams that are right there on their trail. I think that's Oakwood and Bellbrook. Mm-hmm. Bellbrook, they went 10 and 11 a year ago. Their record was below 500, but, but the Golden Eagles go out and they do play a very brutal schedule. If you don't believe me, go find my Twitter. Uh, I did retweet their schedule, I believe, last month. Uh, again, Bellbrook being a Division II program, non-league games against Chaminade, Julianne, Baden, opponents out of the Dayton City League, and I think one of the most intriguing matchups that I know for a fact I will be at, hosting Moeller out of Cincinnati. Um, so the Eagles are not afraid to go play other high-caliber teams, and that's why their record looks the way it does. But they really do bring back a lot of the the key guys from a year ago. Uh, plus, Gabe Pavlock, their senior, he played in one game last year as a junior against Northmont, and then he hurt his knee, missed the rest of the season. He's now back. Watching him play over the summer, he definitely has worked a lot on his game and as well as his strength, and he looks better than he did before he went down with the injury. And the Eagles also added Austin Webb, a standout freshman guard, to run the point. I think Bellbrook is definitely going to be uh, competitive. My only question is going to be, you know, when you play such a brutal schedule like they play outside of the league, are they going to have the stamina and the strength to overcome those battles and then win the, the swivel games that they need to win? Um, because, I mean, playing Moeller tight is great, but if you then turn around the next week and lose to Monroe because you're beat up and tired, that's not good. I do think the Eagles will be fine, but that's just one thing that's in the back of my mind as they go through this the season. And then Oakwood, Oakwood brought back pretty much everybody from a 17 and 17. And one thing I really found interesting about this team was they gave Trotwood a battle in the sectional finals a year ago, uh, was at that game. And, you know, the way Trotwood plays in the Dayton area, you're typically used to seeing them winning by, you know, 60 to 70 points and putting a hundred. Oakwood was right there with them, had it within single digits, basically the entire game, which says a lot about where this program's at. And when you look at with who they've got back, 
I mean, they're going to have a chance to give Franklin a run for their money. You know, Will Maxwell and, and Keon Wright are their one-two punch. Wright, a senior, transferred over from Fairmont a year ago. Very, very good offensive threat. Will Maxwell, a junior, 6'5". He's already got Division One offers from the Mac schools. Uh, so you know he's a very gifted and skilled player. That might be the duo you need to counter Franklin's size as long as they truly can counter that size when it comes to defending the perimeter excuse me, defending the block and containing those guys on the glass. In terms of the other teams in the East, Waynesville and Monroe, I just don't think those guys have enough uh, depth to hang with the rest of the the league. Monroe lost their top three uh, and don't really have any of their keep reserves or role guys from a year ago back. Then Waynesville has a new coach and they lost their star, Cole Todd. The Spartans at least have a really good senior and Josh Mitchell back, but I don't know if he's got enough depth around him for the, for the, um, Spartans to stay in the mix. I think they'll be better than Monroe, but right behind Bellbrook for that third spot. And then the Swivel West, I don't have a lot I can say about them just because they all all five of these teams really got hurt by graduation. It's Brookville, Carlisle, Eaton, Madison, and Valley View are, are who made up this division. So uh, you kind of touched on it with a lot of the Buckeye division leaving a year ago. Eaton and Valley View got moved over to the West with these guys. Really, at the end of the day, I have to, I'd have to take Brookville probably to win this division, only because they've got Sammy Daffer, Daffner, excuse me, back. Um, and it's really just I really take them because at least they have Daffner back. You know, Carlisle lost a lot of guys, and they've got a new coach. Eaton's also got a new coach and struggled a year ago. Uh, Valley View's got some younger players, so I think they might be able to be in the mix and give Brookville a challenge. But you know. It's going to be hard when you don't have some of your key guys. And then Madison, they struggled a year ago as well. Um, so Brookville in, in the West Division, and I'm going to go with uh, Franklin in the East Division. I, I still I still can't believe, you know, how shook up the Southwestern Buckeye League is. But I think, hopefully I'm not steering you too far away, but I think – I. I think the next logical place to go is the Western Ohio Conference because Dixie and Preble Shawnee now in there. And definitely, it's nicer trips for both of those teams compared to going all the way out to Waynesville and, you know, the rumors of Clinton Massey joining the Southwestern Buckeye League. And whew, if you're if you're from Eaton, you don't want to make that trip to Wilmington. No, not at all. And and I, I definitely agree. I think the next, the next place to go is, is the WOAC. Uh, and the WOAC is going to be uh, it's a lot of the teams in this conference. You, you kind of mentioned it already. You know, Dixie came over uh, in Preble Shawnee, but then really the rest of the conference comes over from the Cross County Conference, which is now defunct. And one of the things that's really interesting here is the one team that comes out, it comes over from that defunct CCC is Tri Village. And that Tri Village team is really, really good. Uh, they're bringing back. Everybody, they didn't have a single senior on the roster a year ago, and they went undefeated in the regular season. They were in the regional semifinals, and for a half, was better than Cedarville until Cedarville used the second half uh, and turned the Patriots over enough times to pull the upset there. So Tri Village brings back everyone from that team, and on that team is Lane Sarver, who is a senior. He's already got an offer from Cedarville University. He's the quarterback for the football team he's a defending state champion in high jump in division three and he is the engine that runs this patriots team on the basketball court uh he there's really not 
many teams or players in this conference that can match his length and intensity. Uh, the only guy that I would say could match that uh, directly is his teammate, Josh Scantlin, who's another 6'6 big man. Scantlin has really evolved his offensive game. I thought he was always more of kind of a, a defensive threat, but he is able to put the ball on the, on the, the ground and score. Patriots have good guard play and Wilson Suggs and Dalton DeLong, who are both juniors. Overall, this Patriots team on paper is the best team in this new conference. Uh, that being said, though, Preble Shawnee does have them coming over. They have the best chance to challenge the Patriots. Um, Preble Shawnee brings, in my opinion, the best prospect in Mason Shrout. Shrout is a sophomore. Uh, he was one of the best, if not the best, scorer in the Southwestern Buckeye League a year ago as a freshman. And I know Seth and I have talked numerous times about Shrout having – I'm not saying that he is – as I'm not comparing him to Luke Kennard, but what I'm saying is Shrout can score the basketball in a way that we haven't seen since Luke Kennard. Um, I would not be surprised if Shrout averages 35 to 40 points a game in this, lead, in this new conference just because the teams he's going to play against – just don't have the size and athleticism to compete with him. I mean, he's six foot four, uh, plays with all Ohio red in the AAU season. So he's playing against some of the best players in the country, uh, during AAU and able to score on them. So then he comes over to the WOAC and these teams just aren't going to be able to match up well. And I think Preble Shawnee, the big thing for them is going to be, can they get that past and figure out Tri village? Because the one thing the Patriots are going to do is they're going to really defend you hard and they're going to make someone besides Mason Shrout beat them. So Preble Shawnee can have some guys that you know are able to do that. I think Xavier Adams, one of their seniors, has got a really good chance of doing that for him. He's a real big body and can counter what Tri-Village is going to have with that size. Preble Shawnee might be able to take a game from the Patriots this year. But at the end of the day, these two are really kind of the one-two punch. And then after that, it's a wide open race for the rest of it. I think Arcanum is probably a little bit more of an edge than others. They got two of their top three back from a year ago, Jake Gabot, a senior, and Ian Baker, um, both really good players from a season ago. I think the Trojans are going to lean on them, and that's going to be kind of their edge. But in terms of everybody else, it's going to be kind of hard to pick a team or teams to kind of after that uh, just because, again, graduation took uh, some of these teams' best players. And with a lot of these teams being in D3, D4, they didn't have the depth that some of these D1 and D2 teams have where when their top players graduate, they've got another wave of guys that can step up. Many times that next wave, per se, is going to be your JV kids. And without the varsity experience, that can be a problem. So just for an example, Tri-County North had a very good senior in, in Brian Stinson who graduated, and he did a lot for that Panthers team. With him being gone and with not a lot of guys a year ago showing they could score besides him, that really raises some questions about TCN and are they going to be able to score the basketball when they face a very good defensive team like Tri-Village or Ansonia or Arcanum? You know, how is that going to look? So in terms of the rest of the conference, I think Tri-Village is, is your favorite, hands down, but Preble Shawnee not too far behind. But then in terms of the rest of the conference – it's really too early and too hard to tell who's going to be the three through 12, just because it's going to have to almost wait the, the first couple games of the season and see kind of who steps up for these teams that we wouldn't have expected previously. You know, adding on to that point, uh, following along my hometown's team, Twin Valley South and the Panthers, um, 
You're you're right. I mean, you don't have the next player waiting in the wings or maybe not even on the bench. It'll take maybe a season or two or help you three. But yeah, that's just that's one of the crutches of small school basketball is, you know, sometimes you don't have the the bodies to help with that. And sometimes you'll have great years, sometimes you won't. So but I will say the move over to uh, the WOAC for Preble Shawnee already, they won a football crown. I know we stick to boys basketball, but yeah, that surprised me. Best year ever for football for Preble Shawnee, my dad's alma mater. So um, they did lose in the regional final game last night to Versailles, 28 nothing. But yeah, that, that shocked me. So, hey, already doing dividends for the Arrows. And if I can add to that too, a lot of times with these small schools, when you have a when you have the program or the school have success in the football field, a lot of times those guys play football and basketball. They bring that almost swagger to the basketball court, and sometimes that can help you pay off. So I wouldn't be surprised if some of those football kids that come over for the arrows, they have that kind of mentality that hey, we're, we just want a football title. We're the best team in this conference, and again, could help them give them an edge over a tri village team that. You know, you're going to need everything you can when you're playing a team with that much experience back. So I think the next best move, Lee, is let's go back over towards that D2 side to the Dayton City League. So in the in the Dayton City League, it was a year of kind of growth, I think. A lot of these teams, they added some – they had some youth a year ago that are now a year older. Uh, specifically, you know, Dunbar. Dunbar a year ago, they had a couple sophomores that – know really really i think we're solid for them uh but they they just struggle when it came to the experience uh dunbar is is i think kind of the the team in this league that you know they're going to be looked at heavily the most again like i was saying they had a lot of sophomores a year ago that now uh, are going to have a little bit of a different role now they're a, a year more experienced you would hope that um, they learn from getting upset by Carroll a year ago. They've got some really good players in Anton and Antone Allen that are both uh, twins or juniors. Also, they have um, – see, who was that? Randy Latham. I was drawing a blank on his name. Uh, Latham back in the point guard. Dunbar has a lot of athleticism and a lot of uh, skill. They added Hollis Terrell, who is a very good athlete from Troy, who transferred over as well. Uh, this Wolverines team definitely going to be one of the deeper teams in the DCL. And I think it's going to be hard for a lot of teams to match up with them. But there are a few teams that could do that. One of them being Ponets, uh, led by Alan Spears. The Panthers last year, they only had three seniors that are gone. Uh, so they bring back, back a lot of guys from that team. And they did show some upside. Uh, again, Dayton City League got off to a late start last year, so didn't get to play near as many games. But a lot of their best players are all juniors, including Daywan Anderson and Trent Kindred. Uh, being two of those top guys, Anderson, who uh, one of the better, he's D1, D2 level prospect in terms of collegiate talent, and Trent Kindred, who's really evolved his game in the offseason and I think is bound to have a really big year for the Panthers. Uh, another one, Meadowdale. Meadowdale was a team in Division Three last year that really showed what they're capable of and being one of the more athletic and, and physical teams. They got four of their top five back, including Lee Benson, who's a 6'5 junior big man. Excuse me. I think Benson... Uh, he's kind of a rare player just because in the city league is known for its guard play and Benson is really a true center, but he's got the speed and athleticism that he can step up and guard the perimeter. If you need him to, the lions have some really good guards as well. And Clario Reeves and to Robinson, 
that I think they're going to lean on as well. Meadowdale playing in Division Three, they're going to have a very good chance of repeating the success that they've had. And I really don't see them being a team that's going to struggle when they get to D3. In terms of the rest of the league, you've got Belmont, Stivers, and Thurgood Marshall. Belmont was winless a year ago. Uh, the hope for Art Winston is that the, these guys learned and hopefully evolved from, from struggling to win a game. And they can hopefully uh, pull one here in the Dayton City League this year, which I think uh, between Stivers and Thurgood, that's, uh, they can knock off one of these guys. Thurgood. They bring back one of the best players from a year ago, Ronald Smith, one of the best players in the Dayton City League. Uh, but they did graduate a lot of those other guys around him. So it's going to be kind of a question mark of who the Cougars have or to, that can replace that. Uh, and then Stivers was a team that they were kind of up and down. I think that they, if they can kind of find one true leader, I think that's going to go a long way for them. Brendan Crump was the defensive player of the year in, in the in the Dayton City League, so I think he's got potential to do that. But they got to get some offensive output be, beyond him if they're going to want a way to beat Dunbar. So I think at the end of the day, though, Dunbar learned a lot from a year ago. Tony Dixon has shown he can win uh, when he needs to. So I'm going to take Dunbar to win the Dayton City League this year. Can I just throw it back? Did you say that Dunbar had players Antoine and Anton? Anton and Antone. Anton and Antone, man. I was going to say, how how close are those names? I mean, you got to be a good broadcaster not to mix those up. And they're identical twins, too. Oh, that's uh, that's great. I mean, it's even harder. (laughs) I mean, when do you hear about a school having identical twins like that with close enough names? But no, I mean, for people that don't watch Dayton City League. I mean, it's a good brand of hoops. I mean, you got some great athletes in the city of Dayton. And, you know, I mean, you might not see them advance as far as they used to back in the day, but at the same time, it's still quality basketball. So, you know, mm-hmm. DCL is nothing to sneeze at. Absolutely. I think it's I think it's growing too. I think the last two years was just kind of building back up to what it, it used to be. And I think going forward, it's going to be a very exciting league. And, and like I said, between Ponitz and Meadowdale, those guys could even, you know, make some noise in, in the sectional tournaments uh, and give Dunbar a challenge at the top of the league. So it'll be fun to watch. Absolutely. I remember last year covering Stivers, and I think they took down National Trail with just hot shooting from beyond the arc. And, you know, that's that's a good team as well. I mean, I, I think they lost a lot of the players that made them special in the playoffs. Absolutely. So I think the next conference I'm going to jump over to, Lee, is the uh, Central Buckeye Conference. All right. Central Buckeye it is. So Central Buckeye is definitely a conference that, you know, Seth and I have said multiple times on your podcast. It's not a conference we follow as much only because a lot of these teams go up into Springfield and then even start to push into the area between Springfield and Columbus. So hard to get up there during the the week and on the weekends, you know, some of the the, the, the conference isn't as deep as some of these other ones. Uh, it is also split into two divisions, the Kenton Trail and the Mad River Division. I'm not going to dwell too deep on this because there are quite a few Central Ohio teams in this conference, but I'll at least kind of give you my thoughts on it. In the Kenton Trail Division, locally, you've got Bell Fountain, Kenton Ridge, Shawnee, and Tecumseh, with Jonathan Alder and London being the two Central Ohio-based teams. Uh in this division alone, probably has the two best teams in the entire conference, and Jonathan Alder and Springfield Shawnee. 
Alder is bringing back three of their top five from a 20 and one team a year ago. They always were competitive. They've been one of the better programs since they came over to the CBC a few years ago. I'm pretty sure they've won uh, or at least won a share of the Kent Trail Division every year since they came. So that says a lot about their culture and then the coaching and what they've got. Shawnee, uh, they were a phenomenal team a year ago making a run to the regional finals. They bring back a very, very skilled uh, trio of Zion Crow, RJ Griffin, and Patrick Foltz. Crow, he's one of the most athletic players I think I've ever seen out of this conference. You know, Shawnee, always competitive, but I don't think we've ever seen a guy that's got just that pure athleticism and ability to just blow by you on, on the perimeter and, and dunk it on you. Crow's done that multiple times at Dayton Elite AAU. I did not coach him directly, but I coached in that program, obviously. And I think it's no denying Crow is, is definitely one of the best players in this conference as a whole. In terms of can Shawnee be Alder, it's going to come down to can they handle what Alder's going to throw at them defensively, which is very similar to what you're going to see in, in a tri-village, in a um, – Typical D3, D4 man-to-man defense, which is physical, and they're going to slow you down. So if they can slow the Braves down and keep Crow and Griffin from kind of being the offensive guys they are, it's a good chance Alder's going to win this division again. Uh, in terms of the rest of it, Tecumseh's got one of the best point guards in Colin O'Connor. Uh, he picked up a Division One offer to USC Upstate over the uh, summer. He's the son of Wade O'Connor, who does a lot for the for the youth in Dayton. Uh, Colin, very, very, very skilled guard, very pass first. He can score when needed. Um, London, they lost a lot from their team a year ago. Kenton Ridge and Bell Fountain, same boats. So I think Alder and Shawnee are your top two in that Kenton Trail division. In the Mad River division, um, again, another tough one. Indian Lake made a run to the district finals a year ago. Uh, and they do bring back two of their top three. So I think they have to kind of be the assumed favorite. But North Union being the Central Ohio team in this division, they too bring back quite a bit. And they've had a very strong stretch the last two or three years uh, in terms of their program. I believe they were undefeated or had one loss before COVID ended their year a, a season ago. And I do believe they had like a 20-3 and three or you know 20-4 and four season a year ago as well uh, this past season. So they're a very good program as well. They do bring back Zach Vernon, who's a, a really good post player for them. I have to say, though, at the end of the day, I have to, to lean with the Central Ohio teams in this conference. Jonathan Alder to win the Kenton Trail and North Union to win the Mad River Divisions. Some very good programs up towards Central Ohio, too. I mean, Jonathan Alder, you can talk about their football team. and Yeah, I think it's a really nice addition. I know they've been in the league for quite some time, but there's so two very nice additions to the CBC. Yeah, it's definitely made the conference a help with the depth after Stebbins and Tippecanoe have left the conference. Uh, but it also just adds that competitiveness, and really you need that. Again, Shawnee being the the, lo- the best local team in the conference, it's good to give them those matchups because it helps prep them when they get into the, the sectional and district tournaments. And Tony, I don't know about you, but when I think about the Central Buckeye Conference, I also think about the Ohio Heritage Conference as well because those are two pretty similar conferences, and they're pretty spread far out in eastern Miami Valley as well. Absolutely. And and this conference had a lot of success a year ago. Cedarville obviously uh, coming out and, and winning a, a district title, upsetting Tri-Village, and then ultimately making it to the regional finals before they fell to Botkins, who we'll talk about a little later. Uh, but, but Cedarville and this Ohio Heritage Conference, 
it's a good conference. Uh, again, the, the North and the South, I'll start with the North because it's a very quick talk because frankly, the North is going to be kind of the lesser of the two. Uh, again, going back to a lot of the other themes we've seen in these other leagues, graduation affected them a lot. Um, the, the best team a year ago was Fairbanks, who comes out of Central Ohio. They lost their top three from a year ago. West Liberty Salem was a solid program. They upset Miami East uh, in the in the opening of the tournament, and they do lose quite a few pieces as well. At the end of the day, I do have to go with the Tigers as, as the favorite uh, with West Jefferson not far behind them. West Jefferson just completing a, a regional run on the football field. So I do think that the Rough Riders can compete too. They do bring back a few pieces from a team that struggled. But that, that North Division really is hard to say who's going to be the best just because so many guys are gone. The South Division is where the conference really has the most of their meat, uh, Cedarville being in this division. But even then, Cedarville graduated a lot of guys as well. Uh, Isaiah Ramey and Trent Coning both combined for over 30 points a game. And then there was two other players that were seniors in that starting lineup gone as well. The Indians, though, uh, they do – have a lot of guys back that can help uh tyler cross who's a sophomore he's the brother of colby cross who was a standout for the indians for for four years he's got a lot of what colby has in him being a very good scorer. we didn't see a lot of him last year just because he was a freshman and he was playing mostly jv his role is going to change a lot this year uh drew coning a junior guard he's the brother of, of trent coning who graduated drew again very much like his brother uh very good score when need be uh, very good court vision. He did well over the AAU circuit. And then they've also got a senior in Hayden Hansen. And Hansen, uh, while he's kind of one of the more skinnier players you'll find, he's also one of the tallest ones at six foot eight. And there's not a lot of teams in this conference that can, can match that size. Uh, but that being said, I think that there is one team in particular that very easily can match Cedarville, and that's Springfield Catholic Central. The Irish lost six games last season. Of those six losses, three of them came to Cedarville. Two losses in the regular season and then lost to them in the sectional finals. So take Cedarville out of the picture. Catholic Central was very successful last season. I think the Irish have – they bring four of their five starters back, including Tyler Galooch, who's a junior stud. He's also got a senior guard in Ashton Young who played well with Dayton Metro uh, AAU. And those two are a really good one-two punch. And I think that's enough to overpower Cedarville – who all those guys I named, while they're good, they were in role positions a year ago. You're now asking them to step up and fill the void that those other seniors left for Cedarville last year. It's going to be hard to do. Uh, Greenview and Greenin are two other ones right there uh, at three and four. Greenview lost their two best guys in Rhett Birch and Cole Allen, but they bring back a plethora of juniors, some of them who have been on varsity since their freshman years. The Rams were in the district finals a year ago before falling short to, I believe, Anna and they either lost in overtime or it was like a last minute uh, shot that beat them. But the Rams have experience. They've been one of the better programs in the OHC the last couple of years. I do think this year they can still stay in the running. But again, keeping up with Catholic Central is going to be kind of the X factor there. And then Greenan brings back Jaden Jernell, who he's kind of an under the radar guy, not really known as much unless you really follow the high school scene, but very, very good score. He might be the best scorer overall in this conference returning, uh, but Greenan is not blessed with having a lot of depth. So I think that's what's going to hold them back is you get one of those starters in foul trouble. They're going to be struggling against this uh, Catholic Central team. So uh, end of the day, 
South Division, Catholic Central is my favorite. And I think the Irish could even be a, a district champion caliber team. Uh, and then the North Division, again, hard to tell, but I'm going to take West Liberty Salem. I mean, OHC brings a lot of competitive small school hoops right to the Miami Valley as well. So, mm-hmm. 100%. Um, so I've got three more conferences here on my list. Uh, and then we got, I know we, you want to talk about the greater Miami conference as well, Lee. So, um, I'll start with the, the other new conference that we have. You mentioned the WOAC, but the other one that's new is the three rivers conference, mm-hmm. which that conference brings over. You mentioned Milton union and, and Northridge. when we were talking about the Southwestern Buckeye league, they added teams from the cross County conference in Bethel and Covington. They added Troy Christian, who comes over from the Metro Buckeye Conference, and they add Lehman Catholic and Riverside. And correct me if I'm wrong, I believe they came from the Northwest Conference up in Northwest Ohio. Do you the, know for sure? The Northwest Central Conference of the Lima area, yes. Okay, so I knew those two. I knew I knew they were in the same conference a year ago. I just couldn't recall where they came from, but but yeah. So this 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 TRC brought four different conference teams together to form an eight team league and it's going to be a a a good first year for them it's going to be a young year for them though uh there's three teams that stand out above uh the rest miami east who was the second best team in the cross county conference a year ago behind tri village Uh, the vikings were very young they had three freshmen that started a year ago and ultimately having that youth is what cost them a, a first round game against west liberty salem they're a year older, and I think they're a year wiser. Two of those guys uh, are sophomores, Wesley Enos and Jacob Roth. Enos, if you watch him, he looks like an upperclassman football player. Uh, he's only like 6'2 or 6'3, but he looks like a running back. Uh, he's so physically fit. Jacob Roth is a very good two-way guard as well. Very good ball control on the offensive end, but I think most notably known for his defensive effort. Um, Miami East, they're going to continue to be a quality team. The big problem, though, is going to be, again, with that youth. Can they use that youth as a year of experience, or are they going to struggle against some of these other teams that have a little bit more? Uh, Speaking of those type of teams, Milton Union, they come over with Blake Brumbaugh, a junior guard who – he really exploded on the scene as a sophomore a year ago for the Bulldogs. Milton Union did graduate quite a few guys, but having Brumball back is huge. Big question there will be can they can they add the depth? And obviously the Bulldogs are going to go play in Division Two. So will playing these Division Three and, and somewhat and some even four teams uh, in the regular season going to prep these guys for Division Two? That's going to be a big question mark. I don't know if that's going to help them or hurt them. And then Troy Christian, the other one coming over from the Metro Buckeye Conference after having several years of success in that conference. They only lose two players from last year, so they're bringing back nearly everyone. But they're in the same boat as Miami East in that they have a lot of sophomores on the roster. And they took a very early exit as well a year ago. Uh, Parker Penrod, Alex Free are are two of those sophomores. Free, uh, very under-the-radar kid that has got a lot of upside to him. Penrod, a very unselfish guard. So so Grant Zawadzki, excuse me, Ray Zawadzki, uh, a very good coach for the Eagles, and he's always got these guys playing at the highest level and playing very good defensive basketball. I think even though it's a new conference, they're still going to be one of the better teams. And I think that as long as they can kind of mesh with each other and, and not get into slumps of struggling on the offensive, them it's going to go a long way for them in terms of being competitive um 
I do want to say too, I'm just going to throw it out there. Bethel, they've got a new coach in Shane Kinsler who comes over from Northmont. Uh, Kinsler struggled a bit, obviously being with the Thunderbolts in Division One. Coming over to Bethel, it's going to be a different looking scene. He does have some good players, including Casey Cassie, a sharpshooting senior back. Uh, so the Bees, I think, can be a, a quality opponent uh, for anyone they face. And then Layman Catholic coming down from the NWCC. They do have a senior in Justin Stewart, 6'8 center. Uh, again, not really sure there's a lot of teams that are going to have the length to guard him. So that could in, that could be an interesting dynamic if, if the Cavaliers, you know, if they can have the guard play that can feed him the ball and he can play well against these smaller teams, Lehman might be able to, to pull one upset or two as well. So I'm going to go with uh, – all that said, I think I'm going to go with Miami East, though, uh, with the talent they do have, even though they're young, to win this this conference in its inaugural season. You know, I saw the Vikings. I saw Troy Christian. I saw a little bit of Layman Catholic last year with PTW. And I'm excited to see what the Three Rivers can bring. I get a little upset because there's all there's also the Three Rivers Athletic Conference around Toledo. But never mind that. But uh, I saw Layman Catholic. They took down Temple Christian out of Lima. And, you know, I, I don't even think Stewart was the main factor why the Cavaliers won that game. It was just fantastic shooting from, you know, Layman Catholic. And Miami East, you hit the nail right on the head. It's youth. Well, they were a very youthful team. That transfer out, uh, Detroit, I believe you said, um, that's, that's going to be Prince, interesting. Yeah. yeah, Nick Prince. Because I thought he had... You know, pretty nice future with Miami East, but you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I Troy Christian gave him a heck of a game, and I think they won that game against the Vikings at TC. So it'll be interesting to see that being a conference tilt. But I can't wait. I mean, it's 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 going to be a good conference, and I definitely think you know people shouldn't you know shouldn't turn their nose to Three Rivers. So we covered three rivers, and I think that's most of Dayton. Is that correct, Tony? We have two more. I've only, I've only got two more, and I'll, I'll be brief on one of them because it's mainly Northwest. I got the MAC and the Shelby County League. I'll do the MAC first because okay. a lot of those teams are up in north, way, way northwest Ohio. I mean, Delphi St. John's is is darn near almost Finley. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to dwell too much on this, but you know, Versailles is in the Southwest District, and they were a very surprised team a year ago. Uh, making it to the regional tournament and they were below 500. Uh, but the Tigers bring back three of their top four. I think they're going to be in the mix to win the Mac this year, but there's two other teams right there with them. New Bremen and St. Henry. New Bremen had a lot of, of winning mentality after succeeding uh, in the Mac, winning a football title. And they bring back a few guys, including Reese. I think his name's Bussy is his last name. Uh, how you pronounce that? If I, if I butchered that, sorry, Reese, but new Bremen right there with them. And then St. Henry, uh, bringing back quite a few guys from a team that that won quite a few games as well. Uh, the MAC is going to be very top heavy uh, between those guys. I think Marion Locals right there. They could compete here and there, but really those three I named are kind of the three that you know I think those are going to be the top ones. Um, I don't do a lot of coverage in the MAC, so I don't have a lot of analysis on that. Besides knowing those three are the are the three that bring back the most, so I don't have a lot more I want to dwell on that. Unless you want to throw anything out there, Lee. Well, I know the MAC is very Upper Valley area. I mean, your southern most team is Versailles, and definitely the Tigers. They can make a lot of noise. Although I think that was my first Miami East game on WPTW, and Versailles just—they looked off. I mean, it's the injuries and everything, but they played their better ball late, and they took it through the postseason. So, 
Yeah, I think Versailles can hang with a Mac. It's just New Bremen, St. Henry, Marion Local up there. Uh, I think Coldwater might be a name to mix in there as well. But Mm -hmm. yeah, definitely it's good quality ball. Again, smaller schools, but this is a conference to fear, especially in football, you know, with Marion Local Mm -hmm. going to another trip to state. I mean, and everyone was surprised. I say that sarcastically because mm-hmm. Marin Local is awesome. <laughs> but um, yeah, definitely. Um, I understand that. I mean, you know, it's you're going far up uh, to cover most of those Mac schools. And it's it covers a uh, it covers a lot, a lot of ground up there, mm-hmm. especially on the Lima area. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's, it's and it, it's it, I think that conference is even harder than the, the Central Buckeye Conference for us to follow just because, again, it's there's just. It's when you got teams in Delphus, that's a two hour, sometimes two and a half hour drive. And it's just hard to do that or, or warrant doing that during the week or even on the weekend when there's so much good talent right in our backyard. No, I, I get that completely. So, um, so that, so that, and I, I apologize. There was actually an additional conference. I forgot about the Metro Buckeye conference. So I, mm-hmm. now I have two more left. Okay. Um, so I'll do, uh, I'll, again, I'll make those brief though, because there's really not much to discuss in there. Shelby County League, the big story is Botkins was the Division Four state champions a year ago, and and they brought back uh, four of their top seven from that team. They do have a new coach. Is Sean Powell decided to leave? He took a job with Lima Perry, excuse me, Lima Bath uh, as a new head coach there. So Phil Groves takes over as the coach for the Trojans. Uh, the Trojans have a very good brother duo in Jacob Plyman and Carter Plyman. Jacob being a senior. Carter being a junior, Jacob, he's probably going to be the best player in this con- or this league as a whole. Uh, very good physical presence. Carter being a really good sharpshooter for them. Uh, the big thing for Botkins, I think, is can they replicate what they did a year ago? I mean, they made a very good run. They were playing their best basketball at the right time. They were great all season, but they were especially great in that postseason can they do that again? Because that's very hard to do that. And some of the teams they had to go through to get to that um, state championship, you know, there's not a lot of teams I would have taken to, to make that run. So if they can replicate that success, I think they're going to be just fine. In terms of who's right behind them, it's going to be hard to say. Jackson Center, they they lose Aiden Riker. And a lot of teams, I would say, if you lose a player like Aiden Riker, I wouldn't be picking you to finish second in your league. But Jackson Center is not like most teams. They could go 0-12, and, and when they get to the postseason, they're going to be a favorite to get out of the sectional just because Scott Elkert knows how to make that team play fundamental defensive basketball. I think just with that in mind, Jackson Center could give Botkins a game any night, even though Botkins has more basketball talent per se coming back. Uh, same goes for Anna. Anna lost four starters from before last season. And you would have expected them to struggle, but instead they go 21 and six and make it to the regional semifinals and, and nearly give Taft who ended up winning the region a battle and almost upsetting them. So again, it's a culture thing for the Rockets and the Tigers. Anna does have McCain Finkenbein, who's a very, very good senior uh, who's going to have a really good year next year, I think, or this year uh, back for them. Those two, just the culture and and it's going to be big for them. Fort Loramie, they lose a very successful senior class, but they do bring back a very good junior in Caleb Maurer. Maurer, as long as he stays healthy, he's kind of battled some injuries throughout his career with the Redskins. He can stay healthy. I think Loramie is going to be a tough out. Corey Britton always has that team playing the best basketball at the right time. Excuse me. Um, 
And then the other team is Rushi. You know, Rushi made a little baby run in the sectional tournament, uh, but they were a very young team a year ago. Zane Chappie was a sophomore running the point for them. And then Hayden Quinter was a really good freshman. So now junior and sophomore, they're a good one-two punch. But again, that youth, can the Raiders succeed? They're going to struggle, I think, in the Shelby County League. But once they get to sectional play, they'll be, I think, well-prepared physically uh, for whoever they have to face. And then Fairlawn and Houston, the other two, they're going to struggle a lot. Fairlawn, we expected to be a lot better a year ago. They finished below 500. And they lost their top two guys, including Ashton and Skylar Piper, the twins. Uh, Replacing that's going to be tough. And this conference is just too talented, I think, for for them to come back. And then Halston just was really struggling a year ago. They only won one game. And the one game I watched them against Anna was very tough to watch just because Anna was literally doing whatever they wanted on the offensive end. Uh, Halston just doesn't bring in the athletic talent that the rest of this league does. Uh, so I think it's going to be tough for them to match up with them. But, you know, that being said, I'm going to take Botkins to win this league and, and repeat. I don't know if they win another state title, but I do believe they're going to at least win the Shelby County League again. Yeah, I mean, following Botkins, it was great. Another state title for the area as well. So, yeah, I, I'd love to see the Trojans go for another D4 title, but we'll see. We'll see if those three uh, Trojans they lost uh, come back and, you know, they need them. But who knows? Absolutely. So and then the last conference I have and then we can do the the, the GMC like you had requested is the Metro Buckeye Conference. Again, this is going to be very quick because uh, it's a seven team conference and it's probably the the struggle the most struggling conference as a whole they lost troy christian who left for the three rivers conference and troy christian's been such a strong program in this conference for years um now it's dayton christian's turn they're the biggest school uh, in terms of size like you had talked about the divisions one through four the warriors are division three everybody else in this conference is a division four team uh, and then of the remaining six teams one of them didn't even play last year. Jefferson Township elected not to play due to COVID. The Broncos, it's going to be kind of a question mark as to what they're going to look like. They had a pretty solid year the, in 2019 before the season ended, but who's back? Um, I know their best player from a year ago transferred to West Carrollton. Excuse me, their best player two years ago transferred to West Carrollton last year. But I don't know what the Broncos have back. You know, this may just be a year of just kind of developing that that personnel and getting them prepped for uh, the NBC. But I think this is Dayton Christians to lose. They've got a really good group back led by Brady Woodall in the backcourt, the junior guard. Isaiah Edwards, who is only 6'1", but he's the best rebounder in this conference as a whole. I think this is the Warriors to, to, to lose. The only thing that could hold them back is Emmanuel Christian. They've got a very good senior in Justice Channels. If he can get some guys around him to help Emmanuel Christian could replicate what they did in 2019 when they made it to the district finals. Yellow Springs is another one. They've been on the rise the last two years. They've got a lot of juniors. If the Bulldogs can put it together and, and win in the, in the sectional tournament, I think they could give Dayton Christian a battle, but at the end of the day, to make it simple, Dayton Christian wins the NBC this year. You know, Tony, I, I actually had to go on the website to see how many schools were because I thought they were down to like five or something because I know Troy Christian <laughs> left. And I saw Dayton Christian play football in the Miami Valley Conference, which, funny mm-hmm. enough, doesn't have any part of the Miami Valley. It's all Cincinnati area teams, but let's not talk about mm-hmm. that. So I had to go back and it's like, oh, yeah, Miami Valley School, Middletown Christian. There's a lot of non-football teams on here, exception of Dayton Christian and 
I think Jefferson Township still has football, but I, I don't know. I mean, that's such a small school district because it's smack dab between Dayton, between Valley View, between West Carrollton. You drive through Jefferson Township, but you still think it's like Valley View area still. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's just, you know, it's the tiny school on Union. So that's that's a really good point. I, I completely forgot the Broncos didn't play at all last year. <laughs> but uh, I saw Emmanuel Christian play at Carlisle. And I tell you, Carlisle didn't have the best of years last year. Let's put that out there. But Emmanuel Christian was down, I think, by 20-some points. And they they had a chance to win it at the buzzer. And they just they just couldn't get that shot off. Or it was something really close. I had that call. And I was like, wow, this is a really impressive Lions team. So, you know, I, I, I look forward to seeing what the Lions can bounce back. But I do agree. I think it's... Dayton Christian's league to lose. Although I also think Legacy Christian, which I always want to keep calling Xenia Christian. I'm just that old school. But I think the Knights also have a pretty good team as well. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, funny story. This is kind of off topic, but I didn't put two and two together that Legacy Christian was the old Xenia Christian until last year. So up until that point, I forgot that Xenia Christian had even existed until I saw that. Yeah, I I remember... Early on when I started my broadcasting career, I remember talking about Xenia Christian a little bit. And then a few years back, I get this follow from Legacy Christian on Twitter. Like, hey, who are you guys? Like, oh, you're Xenia Christian, right? Because, you know, you can point to a map. It's like, yep, there's Legacy. It's It just says Xenia, you know, just scratch that out. No, but mm-hmm. uh, um, no, I do want to thank Legacy Christian for continuing to follow me on Twitter. Don't know why, but they do. So thank you. And Metro Buckeye for that matter as well. So yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that's what I got for Dayton conferences, but you wanted to talk a little bit about the Greater Miami Conference as well. So I know we're primarily focusing on Dayton area schools, but yours truly with ESP Media's broadcasting uh, Princeton Vikings basketball. And this is going to be on Flow Sports for anyone that has Flow Sports account. It's, you know, it's no additional cost to watch Vikings play. So it's going to be my first year covering uh, Princeton basketball throughout the whole year. I'm really excited to see what the boys basketball team has, especially with Bowen Hardman, uh, who just committed to Ohio State. And I, I, mean, I know GMC, great quality league in every sport. And I, I really like to know what the Vikings chances are to win the league and who's their biggest roadblock. I, I'd have to think Mason is probably the biggest roadblock of the uh, what is that? 10? Sure. Let's say 10. Um, but I, I'm interested to talk a little bit more GMC. So Lee, you are correct. It is 10 teams, but I have to say I, you are incorrect on the Mason. Um, ah. the, there are, there are two particular teams in this conference that are going to be massive roadblocks for Princeton. Mason will be good. Mason's always a competitive team. But they're not the best team in the conference this year. Uh, the best two teams in this conference are going to be Fairfield and Lakota East. Mm. Fairfield brings back everybody from a team last year that won the GMC regular season at 13-1. and one, And then they got upset by Lakota West in their first playoff game, which was something we kind of thought would happen just because they were – a relatively younger team didn't have any seniors or didn't have a lot of seniors a year ago. And they ran into a team that was very familiar with them with them, bringing back nearly everyone from that team a year ago. There's a lot, multiple media outlets that have these guys. I've seen some people that say they're going to be better than Moeller this year. 
Granted, mm-hmm. Moeller's not going to be as good as they were a season ago, which we could talk about if you wanted to. But staying in the GMC solely at this point, um, Fairfield is probably going to be that best team. They've got Logan Woods, who's a Wright State basketball commit. They've got Deshaun Krim and Amir Rogers, who are both Division II uh, recruits at the moment. They added Colin Tolbert, who comes over from Mount Healthy uh, at the guard spot. Fairfield's going to be very, very good in the backcourt. Uh, but if you're know, talking about backcourt, you know, Lakota East, the other team, they've got an even, they may even have just as a competitive backcourt. Uh, just some of the guys they've got, Nate Adkins, who's the son of, of Clint Adkins, a senior. Kobe Peck, another good point guard senior. Jack Cruneau, who's a junior. He came over from St. Xavier a season ago. Very good sharpshooter. He's a junior. Jaden Coles, 6'4 athlete. He's a senior guard. Lakota East has a lot of seniors, um, and they're very well coached, and they were the team right behind Fairfield in the GMC. East is a team I think that it gets forgotten about sometimes only because, you know, last year when you look at the regional, you had Centerville and you had three GCL South schools and Elder, St. X, and Moeller. So GMC didn't even send a team to the regionals uh, last year. This year I think it's going to be different. Between Fairfield and Lakota East, that's going to be your two perennial powers. Now, where does Princeton fall into that? It's probably going to be that three spot or maybe even four. I think with Bowen Hardman back, that's a really good player to have around. The Vikings have a lot of athletic seniors around him. I know Rodney Harris is one of the guys. They've got a junior, Dorian uh, Williams, that's had a really good summer. I think Princeton has a very good chance of being right there with him. Coach Wyatt, uh, who had a lot of success at Hughes before coming to Princeton, he's going to be able to do a lot with them. But I do think that the middle of the conference may be just as competitive. Hamilton has University of Cincinnati commit Sage Tolentino, who is a seven-foot um, he used to be committed to Auburn, uh, and he obviously goes to the Bearcats now, or is committed to the Bearcats. And, and Hamilton had a lot of success a year ago. They had to forfeit several games due to an ineligible player, um, and but they still found a way to win some tournament games as a 12 seed, even with those forfeits. Mason, like I said, they're always competitive, but they just don't have the the athleticism as the rest the other teams in this conference. Sycamore, they've got Ben Sutherland, who I believe is committed to either Liberty or of College of Charleston. He was committed to one and then decommitted to the other one. I can't recall off the top of my head which one is which, but he he's a very good player. Six seven matches up well. Uh, um, he's going to be part of that Sycamore team that has quite a few guys back as well. And then Lakota West has one of the best shooters in the conference and Nate Dudukovic is, uh, that's going to be kind of leaned on. So Princeton should be the top half of that conference, but the GMC definitely, I think, going to go through either Fairfield or Lakota East this season. I think Sauverland, the last time I checked, he committed to Liberty because I remember talking about it on a boys' soccer match with Sycamore taking on Princeton. And the reason I guess Mason is because of the fact that um, – well, they dominate the soccer table. So, you know, maybe basketball's in there. Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> I took a random stab. I was just, I don't know. But um, Fairfield, they still are led by DJ Wyrick, right? He's a former Wright State Raider himself. And he was the former coach at Vandalia Butler, correct? That's right. I, I completely forgot about his stint at Butler, but I just, I recognize that. And hopefully I get that call because... It's a lot of fun. Now, last year, I got to call Princeton girls at Fairfield, and I can tell you about the time where we had this Ethernet cord that went about two miles long. We're on the second level, and the box is down the first level, so it's like we have this long string, and no, I, I like my time at Fairfield. Not sure if I'm doing the road games or not, but 
I think I'm definitely at Princeton for the home game. So, yeah, it's it's one league that I'm really excited to start and get my first look at. And yeah, I I, I know GMC tough in football. And you mentioned Dorian Williams and um, oh uh, Rodney Harris. Those two were studs on the football team. I mean, Dorian Williams came in for an injured uh, Isaiah Myers as a wide receiver transfer out of Colerain. But uh, Ronnie Harris, that dude could catch anything. He was definitely RW1. And it was so fun to see that first year of football. And, you know, a future episode of this podcast, I'm going to have to talk about that because... Yeah, I only got one playoff game because Spectrum bumped me off the other... Two, three, sure. Let's say three. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm excited. So definitely, I wanted to pick your brain on that, and we can talk a little bit more Cincinnati if you like. It's up to you. I mean, I don't do a ton in Cincinnati, so it's more of if you've got any specific questions, I can answer for you. Well, let's touch on the GCL South for a little bit because you mentioned Muller's not going to be as strong as they were last year. I mean. Pretty sure Logan Duncan is at Indy now. Mm-hmm. Um, Correct. Oh, uh, he, Evan, uh, he's there. Um, Alex at, Williams is at Furman. Okay. Aiden Aiden Noyes is at Richmond, and then Aiden Turner is at the Charleston Division Two. So four scholarship players all gone from that team. I thought Mahaffey was also on another college team. Maybe I'm thinking towards next year, but. Uh, yeah, that's a lot of talent lost by the Crusaders. And I think, you know, last year, you know, not running through the GCL South undefeated, I mean, that tells you that there's two strong teams right behind you, Elder and St. X, that are gunning for you at the top. Right. And and, and first of all, just take a step back. Mahaffey is committed to Penn State, but he is a senior this year. So it'll okay. be next year when he when he goes to the Nittany Lions. And but he he's been battling some injuries during his career. So like I watched Mueller play actually last weekend and Mahaffey didn't even play. He's still recovering uh, from what his dad was telling me. But but yeah, Mueller, you know, Mueller, the way I describe Mueller is they're similar, but they're different. You know, they're different in that all those names that we just talked about are gone. But they're similar because the guys they have back are all sophomores, but there's a lot of uh, resemblances to what they just lost. Uh, Talon Noise is Aiden Noise's brother. Uh, not near as, as big as Aiden, but Ta- Talon definitely one of the better shooters uh, on this team. Some other guys, uh, Kingston Land is a freshman. Uh, his father, Eugene Land, was a UC standout, and his older brother, Max, was on Muller's 2019 team uh, that ultimately – the season ended due to COVID. Uh, but, you know, Kingston's a little bit taller than Max is. AJ McBride, another sophomore, he's already got offers from NKU and some other D1s. Um, Nick Williams, a, a junior guard, very, very good. I believe he's related to Alex Williams. I'm not 100% sure on that. Uh, but my point is, Moeller is very youthful, but they're going to be just as competitive. I was asked, actually, did I think Moeller could compete with Centerville? And while I don't think they have, I think they have the talent to hang with Centerville. I think the difference here is when you got all those sophomores, you know, Moeller, Moeller doesn't always go with, with the underclassmen that's better. They will run with a junior or a senior that knows the, the culture and let that sophomore come off the bench and develop uh, and go with that upperclassman that knows what they're doing and has been through the, the ringer. So I think Moeller will compete with Centerville, but I think Centerville's 
now got the edge on them in terms of being the better team between the two. But staying in the GCL South, you know, Elder brings back a lot of guys from that team a year ago that got to the regional semifinals. Sean Keller, their guard, is is probably one of the best shooters, I think, in the GCL. St. Xavier, I watched them play last weekend. They've got a very good player back in Louis Simona, but St. X did graduate quite a bit. Um, and just watching them, while they're going to be a big team, I just don't know if they're there yet uh, in terms of competing in the GCL. They may take a small step back uh, in terms of it might just be Moeller and Elder, kind of the perennial one-two punch in the league this year. And then LaSalle, you know, LaSalle made it to the, the district finals last season uh, before losing to Elder. But the Lancers were below 500 and they had struggled throughout the regular season, but found a way to string some wins together come sectional play. But their two best players are gone and Aiden Schneider and, and Justin Levette. And, and I don't know if LaSalle has the depth this year to, to hang with the rest of the, of the league. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. But, you know, I definitely think Moeller and Elder are your one, two this year. So, Tony, I think that closes out the preview. And now I'd like to ask, with you and Seth, have you picked a broadcasting schedule yet? We have not yet. We're still kind of working through what games we're going to be attending. I can tell you for a fact that December 14th, we will be at North Adams High School, which is in southeast Ohio. But it's going to be covering North Adams against Fayetteville Perry, Fayetteville um, falls in that southwest district so we will be at that game uh in terms of what other matchups we have not finalized it yet but i will say this year uh, we are going to be happy to be bringing not just the audio broadcast but we will be bringing uh some some play-by-play with uh video as well so we will have uh games live streamed on our our youtube channel this year and seth and i will be calling them so we are excited to bring that feature to the dayton area but we will definitely be tweeting out and putting on our website what games we will be calling those games specifically as we finalize them okay now also i want to say congrats on a rel one miami valley all-conference challenge um i i think i talked about on my podcast but you guys have you guys have done so much for local boys basketball here and you know it's it's a pleasure to have you guys on again we're thinking about you seth hopefully everyone's okay but um yeah i'm proud to have you guys on and whenever you want to come back on you know just let me know and hopefully i'll get some time to do the podcast (laughs) yeah absolutely thank again thank you so much uh we owe you a huge shout out and thank you you're kind of the reason that got us even started with the play-by-play because you loaned us the equipment that we needed so you know we really appreciate you kind of helping us get set up and we appreciate you having us on I, I, I truly mean it when I say that your your podcast is, is our favorite one to, to go on and, and talk with you and talk hoops on because uh, you really help put us on the map. So I really thank you for that. And thank you for, you know, I know we ran a little longer tonight, but thank you for, for talking hoops with me tonight. Ah, not a problem at all. It's always a pleasure. Uh, last thing, um, you can also plug Seth's uh, social media um, if you want, but how can people follow you? How can people catch up with what you guys do? And when can people, or I should say, where can people catch your broadcast? Sure. So uh, if you go to our YouTube channel for the broadcast, SWO Full Court Press, there's going to be a link on it on our website, which is www.swofcp.com. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter. Again, the, 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 
Twitter handle is at SWOFCP, all caps. Uh, you can find my personal plug is at Peters4523. Um, Seth's, unfortunately, I don't have in front of me. And uh, since I'm, I'm doing this audio on my phone, I don't want to close out of it. So um, if I get a chance, I'll tweet out Seth's just uh, when I retweet the link to this. But uh, mine, again, is Peters4523, or the site's is um, SWOFCP. Actually, I think I could pull it up really quick. Maybe. Um, I think it's S Kime, K E I M 09 on Twitter. I think that's right. Yep. I think you're right. I, I, you know, it's not pulling up for me now, but it did when I was tweeting. So thanks for that. Seth, um, if you're listening, I apologize. <laughs> and it's probably like 08 or something like, you idiots. No. But, uh, <laughs> no. Um, Tony, thanks for your time again, as always. And, you know, we'll catch up again, both of us, or I should say, both of you and me. We'll catch up sometime during the season and we'll talk about the season and, you know, we'll have a post game. Uh, post game. We'll have a post season. <laughs> it's too late at night. I'm, I'm exhausted. <laughs> I'm listening to this on a Tuesday morning. Who cares? But uh, <laughs> post season wrap up. How about that? Um, definitely can guarantee Not- that. That sounds great to me. Thanks again. Thanks again, Lee. Appreciate it. Thank you, Tony Peters and Seth Kime again. You know, thoughts and prayers with you and your family at this time. And that'll do it. That's the Southwest Ohio Full Court Press and the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast Co-op done for another year. And let's rejoice in basketball. Talk to you again real soon, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. Be sure to bookmark Cindaypod.com, spelled C-I-N-D-A-Y-P-O-D, the official website of the podcast. You can find your favorite ways of listening to the local Cinday Sports Podcast, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Pandora, Amazon Music, the iHeartRadio app, and many more. You can also purchase merchandise from Tee Public and Redbubble to help support the podcast. Follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Pod, and the host at The Lee W. Mowen. The closing theme is Cosmopolitan from Pecan Pie on Upbeat. This is Lee W. Mowen signing off another episode of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Thank you for your continued listenership and join me on the next episode.